use your emotions for your benefit. So you go, you know what's going to feel really good is actually completing this. I bet that feeling when I'm done after all this is going to be like the best feeling I've ever had in my life. So you just have to keep thinking that. This is the Adventure Sports Podcast, where we talk to athletes, adventurers, and business owners from around the world of adventure sports. Whether you're climbing Mount Everest, starting a bike shop, or getting up off your couch to take your kids hiking for the first time, we want you to have the motivation and inspiration you need to chase that next adventure. The Adventure Sports Podcast is brought to you by Camp Crate, the leaders in fully planned self-guided backpacking adventures, as well as backpacking gear rental. You can check them out at campcrate.net. So there's this new backpacking food company called Peak Refuel. And honestly, I, I gave them a shot for my last backpacking trip. Y'all, it was literally the best backpacking food I've ever had in my life. I was so impressed by them that I wanted to reach out and get a deal for our listeners. So if you keep listening to the episode, I'll tell you how to save 20% off an order with them. Hey friends, check out Powder7.com, new sponsor for the Adventure Sports Podcast. I've worked with these guys for a couple of years, and two of my sons have bought their most recent pairs of skis there. What's cool is that while they do sell new skis, they also sell previously used demo skis. And these demo skis come with demo bindings, so no need to remount anything. And they are sold for less than half of what you would have to pay otherwise. Great deal, great website, great people. Check out powder7.com. Hello, this is Jordan from Netflix. How may I help you? Hey, Jordan. I uh, was wondering, could I get 99 subscriptions to Netflix for free and then pay for the 100th? And then everybody, all 100 people could just use it? No, you cannot. Why is that? Because we only give out one free trial per person per household, actually. So there's no way that I can pay for one subscription, but like 99 other people use it for free? No, not that I know of. All right. Well, thanks anyway. All right. Well, thanks for calling Netflix, and I hope you have a great day. Thanks, Jordan. Look, I know we're not as entertaining as Netflix, but even to them, it sounds ridiculous to have a service for absolutely free. And the truth is, 99% of podcast listeners don't support the shows that they love. And just like something on Netflix, you know, we have production costs, we have hosting costs. There's a lot of costs actually associated with this show, and it takes money and time to produce. So in this season of giving, we ask you, would you like to become a supporter of our show? Because we don't support this show for everybody. You know, this show is is a niche. Not everyone's going to like listening to adventures from all over the world. But you guys do. And when you become a patron of the show, you basically get the upper hand in influencing what we talk about, who we talk to, and what you want. Because you've shown us that you're a super fan of the show. And that's why we wanted to make it easier for you to support the show. So... There is the ability to support the show for $5 a month at patreon.com. But now, there's the ability to support the show for a dollar a month. Come on. We've got to be worth $1. Not only do you get to influence the show, you get the satisfaction of knowing you're making this thing happen. So join us in making the Adventure Sports Podcast the absolute best show it can be.
Thank you. So today we have Justin Simone. He is known as the Long Ranger. And I wanted to just do a little intro before we get into the interview because we are doing a two-part series for Justin because I will be in Florida during Christmas break, so uh, I didn't want to put too much work on my plate and I wanted to give y'all a break too and give you a couple shorter episodes, but with a guest who has had a huge influence on me. Uh, Justin is uh, pretty much the reason I was ever on the show in the first place because I attempted to follow in his footsteps by climbing all of Colorado's 14,000-foot mountains uh, and getting to them all by bicycle. He was uh, kind of the first person in the last, in recent years to do it um, in a bikepacking sense, and I found it hugely inspirational. And Justin has gone on to do even more and more incredible things. But one thing about him is... uh, He's real low-key, a real simple guy, um, focuses on his craft, and uh, lives his life to make those sorts of trips uh, doable. And on the weekends, he's always doing something. Like, I I follow him on Instagram, and man, just one crazy adventure after another. So he's a huge advocate for, like, micro-adventures. If you only have a few days at a time to do something really, really epic, um... So I really wanted to have him on the show. It was a pretty long conversation, so I broke it into two parts, and that makes it easier for all of us to listen to over the holidays. So have a Merry Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever the heck you celebrate, and spend time with family. Here goes nothing. Today we have a guest who I personally have been following along with for a long time. Uh, He's a wild man, and he's known as the Long Ranger, and his name is Justin Simone. Justin, welcome to the show, man. Hey, Mason. Uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor and a, a pleasure and a privilege. Man, dang. It's usually not that much for people, but all right. Um, so where are you coming from today? Um, well, I'm in Boulder right now. It just snowed uh, last night, so um, I woke up to a blanket of white, and I'm trying to figure out what to do with my day since it's very cold and it's going to be a little sloppy on my bicycle, but uh, I'll make do. I'll make do. Yeah, so what, what does a day in the life of uh, the Long Ranger look like? Oh gosh. Um, usually, uh, it's kind of, uh, depends on the, the time of the year. So in wintertime, it's, it's more, um, uh, a little bit more quiet and I'm just doing my training. So I'll eventually get up cause I'm very lazy. Um, and then, uh, make breakfast, make, uh, make about a, a gallon of coffee, uh, drink that. And then, um, think about if I need to do some work or if I'm, uh, going outside to take a run or if I'm going inside to the gym to uh, climb. And then I'll uh, basically do that until I'm too tired and then switch to whatever I didn't do before. So if I climb, I'll then work, and then I'll run. Or if I ran, then I'll work, and then I'll climb or something like that. So yeah, those are my three three things I basically do every single day. You know, now that you brought it up, I actually kind of want to ask about that. Um, we do a show every week based on basically – uh, how people kind of are pursuing like a, a pseudo career in the outdoors, whether it's like a side uh-huh. hustle or just something that's literally like a majority of their life and they fill and work around that. H- is that something you've been doing like this for a while? And, and how do you balance that with, cause, cause you work, you have to pay for all this somehow, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not on a dowry or anything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, so, didn't, uh, you didn't strike me as the dowry type, but uh... yeah, right, right. I, I I wasn't born with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't I didn't inherit large sums of money from a uh, 
a uh, mysterious Saudi prince. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of hustling, for sure. It's a lot of hard work. And the way I probably do it is um, probably more difficult than having a, a regular 9-to-5 job. But um, basically, um, I have seasonal work. So I started guiding uh, last summer. So I do uh, backpacking with uh, a man called Andrew Skirka. So I was in California for a couple weeks in uh, Sequoia Kings Canyon National Park um, doing some backpacking guides, a um, couple groups, um, three to seven days. So that was a lot of fun. Um, I'm also uh, designing websites, things like that. Um, I Somehow I, I, I went to art school, and uh, art doesn't pay that well, so I've always been in the uh, – kind of um, in the mindset of always having the side hustle, always having the, the DJ, the day job. So um, um, when I was w going through art school, I actually learned how to uh, write software. So in some ways, I'm also a software engineer, but it's, it's hard for me to even frame myself as that, um, just because I also don't really know how to divide and multiply numbers really well. So my math background is really bad. <laughs> I just can I just have a really good... Uh, I just have a really good talent of visualizing things and imagining how things work and then looking you know, working off of my imagination, making things actually happen in the real world. So that's just something I've developed over how many years. Yeah. So, yeah. Or, I mean, if times get tight, I'll just go to the local coffee shop and, you know, sling coffee or whatever. So it's always like side hustles, you know. Man, I, I know there's like a million things we could talk about, but I, I find that fascinating. Do, do you find that um, to be enough for you, the work, like as far as satisfaction and um, maybe, uh, yeah, satisfaction in what you're able to complete with work that allows you freedom to pursue your other things? Um, I think uh, the, the other thing I've, I've done is learn to live very simply um, and not really need a lot of stuff. So one of the things, one of the large things that I've done is uh, I, I actually don't own a car. So um, for the last 14 or 15 years, I've been uh, without one. I've just used a bicycle. Um, and one of the reasons why I did that is because I just loved riding bicycles so much that I just didn't even re realize I, I didn't have a car <laughs> anymore. Um, it happened kind of when I was living in the middle of uh, Denver. So the need for a car um, just wasn't there. I could you know, ride a bike two miles to the store or ride the bike three miles to whatever entertainment I wanted to go to. And I didn't have to worry about parking or get my car broken into, which happened like every other week um, where I lived. So it, it, it actually was a, a bonus. So I, I kind of saved all this money when I first did it. I didn't have a car and I realized I'm like, wow, I have all this money. <laughs> like, what should I do? I'm like, I should go traveling. So yeah, I mean, as soon as I got rid of a car, I, you know, also got a passport and I, you know, that first one or two years, I visited like nine countries. So, yeah, it worked out. So I think just learning how to live simply, um, not needing a lot of stuff, um, is, is kind of a it's a nice kind of a trade off. You know, if you can be flexible with your time and you know just find hustles to do. So yeah, I feel pretty 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 good about things. It's like any anyone who works for themselves. There's feast and famine times where things are, you know, sometimes like it's just overflowing with work. And sometimes you're just like, where did everyone go? <laughs> Why does no one need me right now? <laughs> oh my gosh, dude. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the middle of pursuing a couple side hustles full time and it's, uh, it's skin, 
by the skin of my teeth sometimes. And other yeah. times it's like, oh my God, it's working. And then it just yeah, totally right, falls right. apart <laughs> like the next month. Yeah, yeah. So the, yeah, so the metaphor I kind of use is uh, because I grew up um, sailing, I just think of like, is the wind blowing today? It's like, well, okay, it's not. Maybe tomorrow. <laughs> but I will eventually get there. Yeah, absolutely, man. And so, you know, you, um, you do all this to pursue, in my opinion, probably a lot of people's opinions, pretty extreme feats. Uh, one in particular that the two biggest ones that I'm aware of is that you biked to and climbed all of Colorado's 14ers. And then you uh, did that again a few years later, um, but you did the highest 100 summits, which a lot of them didn't even have routes to. Is that correct? Um, so the 14ers are pretty popular these days. So I did that in 2014. Yeah. Um, it took about 34 days or so. And then in 2017, I'm like, okay, what's the, what's the next level of this? And I was like, well, the 100 highest peaks is about twice as many mountains. And uh, I was like, yeah, it should take about twice as much time. You know, I don't know. Um, so, yeah, the, the bottom half, the ones that aren't 14ers, just the 13ers, uh, they're very much unpopular. So there's routes up them. They're not done all that much. Like, you're not going to find a trail to the top. So you just kind of have to figure it out while you're there. So it's a good kind of like a step up in terms of, you know, mountaineering skills to kind of express for sure. Yeah. Would you say it was exponentially more difficult than the 14ers or about twice as hard? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, it's it's definitely difficult to uh, live on a bike um, for that long. You know, two months is a long time to to just be, you know, living, you know, sleeping in a in a in a, in a basically a, a nylon sack in a sleeping bag. Um, I would actually have to say that the the lower half, the, the, the mountains I did for the highest hundred, um, yeah, they're, they're more difficult ones. They're the more, um, they take the longest to get to, um, there's less beta on it. So yeah, I mean, it's definitely a step up for sure. I'm not sure like exactly how, but, um, it's, there's twice as long, there's twice as many peaks to mess up on, you know, like get hurt or just not find your way or the weather just, you know, shuts you down. So there's definitely more risk involved. Absolutely. I remember on my first bike trip, we were on the Alaskan Highway, my buddy and I, and we were absolutely total idiots. We had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> we ran out of food a bunch, and it really kind of scarred us because I remember being so... I remember crying one time thinking about key lime pie because <laughs> we were so hungry, and it was we were so far from the next uh, spot to get food. And it kind of scarred me, and my wife even makes fun of me now because I tend to way overpack, even for day trips, and I don't really have to do that now because, uh, you know, we, we buy from Peak Refuel, and they have these awesome freeze-dried meals. Uh, it's lightweight. It weighs almost nothing uh, when there's no water in it, and it's a lot of food. It tastes awesome. So gone are the days of carrying way too much food. And hello to the days where we're only carrying Peak. If you'd like to give Peak Refuel a try, just go to their website, order some food, and at checkout, just use the code ASP20 at checkout to get 20% off. So give them a shot.
Yeah, was there an experience on that highest 100 um, where you felt like you were really in danger? Oh, sure. <laughs> like, oh my God, I might not, I might not be alive in five minutes. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, I mean, I, it's so nonchalantly to say, oh yeah, sure, tons of times. But um, uh, one of the things you have to do um, with projects is, is this is to accept that there is objective danger, right? There's no way to get around it. You know, like the side of the mountain is loose. Rocks will come down. They may hit you. So if as if you're not okay with that, if you're not comfortable that you're putting yourself in danger, you're probably not going to be able to do it. And then what you do is you kind of try to minimize how much danger there is. And that's just what training is, you know. So you go out rock climbing. You get comfortable on those vertical, you know, slopes, things like that. You're okay with loose rock all around you. So, like, you, you don't, like, uh, you don't get freaked out kind of emotionally. You keep your head kind of straight and narrow. But I would say like the, uh, um, during the actual highest hundred, um, the most dangerous part of it was uh, lightning. So um, I remember this one time I was on Red Cloud Peak. And um, I looked way in the distance, like five miles away, and I saw a big angry black cloud. And you're like, wow, that's a big angry black cloud. I'm sure it's filled with lightning and hail and stuff. But I also went, it is so far away. There's no way it's going to hit me in like the next three hours, right? And of course, in the next 15 minutes, it's on top of us. Yeah. You know, like, oh my gosh, like it's not like late, you know, like uh, one of the things you're supposed to do in Colorado is get off the, the summit by noon because of the thunderstorms. Like it was like 10. <laughs> so we're all like, like I was, there was like two other families on the mountain at the same time. We're all like looking like what's going on? Like we're, we're all like taken by surprise. So um, I had to kind of hunker down below the slope for a little while, just as this like terrible thunderstorm like went above me. And uh, uh, um, unfortunately, um, I had cached some gear at the summit because there's another mountain right there called Sunshine. I, I needed to tag and come back to Red Cloud. So I'm like waiting for the storm to go by. I don't have any clothes on. I have like running shorts and like a running top, you know, um, waiting for the storm to go go past me just like shivering right because I'm like getting very cold from the hailing falling hail falling all around me so I kind of had to make the choice I'm like am I going to die of hypothermia or am I going to die of getting hit struck by lightning on top of a mountain so I had to kind of make that uh, executive choice of like I got to take the risk grab my stuff from the summit and go down as as fast as possible so thankfully you know it all kind of worked but it was a risk and there was no real way I could mitigate the risk except not being on the mountain at all, right? So it's it's kind of like one of these things I I don't want to be in those positions all the time because that would be that would be a terrible idea. But I found myself in that position, and I was okay. I went well. I mean, you know, what what else can I do? I can only do what needs to be done and just go for it. How do you handle, do you, I mean, do you want to quit these trips? Cause they're really long and really lonely. And also they're not like a set events. They're really just something you create in your head and then go after. Sure. So yeah, the odds are against you from the beginning, right? Cause like no, no one's telling you to do this except yourself. There's no crowds going, go Justin. Right. Um, uh, I, I'm usually there's no one else out there doing it as well. So you can't be like, well, you know, the other guy's still out there. I'll, I'll still be out there too. Um, you know, there's, there's terrible weather. It gets very lonely. 
there's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of things out to thwart your attempt. So, um, your, your, your worst enemy is yourself kind of thing, right? Where, uh, you can talk yourself out of almost anything, you know, you're riding your bike, it's raining, you're really, really lonely. It's, you know, you're getting really muddy. You can't even see where you're going and you just think, wouldn't it be nice to be in my bed right now? And like you go, yeah, you know, I could just kind of stop and go, go, go to home, go to sleep. And um, it's it's really hard to get out of that mindset. So you have to kind of like keep your eye on the prize. You have to use your emotions for your benefit. So you go, you know, what's going to feel really good is actually completing this. I bet that feeling when I'm done after all this is going to be like the best feeling I've ever had in my life. So you just have to keep thinking that. So, I mean. On these trips, uh, this is honestly, I've never cried so much in my life. And it's usually just, it's not cries out of like sadness. It's cries out of like, oh my gosh, I'm willing in tears with the emotions I think I'll feel at the end, you know? So that's kind of where I would keep my mind. But funnily, like during the highest hundred, I didn't like start in the best mindset. I really didn't want to do it. But I said I was going to do it. Um, people kind of were counting on me. I, you know, I don't know. I asked some favors for some gear and stuff. So I, I wanted to see it through. That's so it's almost smart in a way to kind of ensure <laughs> that you're going to do it. It's like, once I tell enough people, I basically have to do this. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it, it kind of, it's a two way door though. Cause if you don't, then all these people are like, Hey, but he said he was, you know, what, what happened? So <laughs> it's dangerous. Like it's like, when do you, when do you announce it? I don't know. Like I, I do do the announce pretty soon right out of like I announced the highest hundred thing in April, where I was pretty sure my fitness was going to be at the level I needed it. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty that, late. Was, yeah, yeah. But before that, I was really catty. I'm like, ah, this is sort of on my radar. I'd love to do this crazy thing, but you know, it's so crazy. I don't know if it's going to happen. But um, yeah, like you have to. It's it's called buying the ticket. So if you're going to do a big thing. Like this is kind of funny because I didn't have to buy a ticket, but like if you're doing a big thing, usually you have to go somewhere to start, right? So you have to buy that plane ticket. So that's your deposit down on doing everything. Like, you know, you've already made this large kind of a um, investment into the project. There's no going back from that point on. So that's another thing that's kind of like I didn't have, right? Because I started my trip three blocks away from where I live. (laughs) So I could – it's amazing to me that I didn't even like – I was going to say that I did it, but I like decided to go the next day or something. Like I didn't even like delay it by a day. It's it's really strange to me. So yeah, you just have to like give yourself positive positive talk. Like can't wait to see the next mountain. Boy, wasn't that awesome mountain great. Like um, you also have to – really um celebrate the little victories so even if it sounds cheesy or corny like if you're on a summit you celebrate you go woohoo you know and make a little selfie photo and like like make yourself realize you're doing something cool because it's really easy to forget that you're doing something cool that people are following along that are watching right so you have to remember you, what you're doing and then do all that kind of positive self-talk like this is an awesome idea. This is an awesome trip. Like I'm awesome doing it. You know, like don't get like uh too like too too like crazy about yourself, but like just be your be your biggest fan, basically. 
So like, it's just one more job you have to do. You know, you have to do the shopping. You have to ride the bike to the mountain. You got to get up top of the mountain. And then you have to be the fan on top of the mountain cheering, you know, waving flags and stuff. So, yeah. That's so, so what's one of your biggest encouragements when, when there's, when it's really difficult? Is it the people? Is it the sites? Or is it, you know, a combination of all that along with the weather or something? Sure. Um, well, I, you know, like when I did the highest hundred, like I was kind of leading into and then I forgot. Um, I was in the best frame of mind. I was actually pretty depressed. Um, I didn't want to do it. And, but I told myself that it's kind of like anything, like you can kind of like, um, scale it down to like, it's in the morning and I need to take a run or I said I was going to take a run. Right. But I don't want to go running. You know, what do you do in that situation? You're like, I promised myself I would, but I don't feel like it. You tell yourself, you go, look, five minutes, go running for five minutes. See how you feel. Like odds are, if you can run for five minutes, you'll run for 15 minutes and then 30 minutes. And all of a sudden you forgot why you did want to go running because running makes you happy or you wouldn't be into running. Right. So it's the same idea where you're like, I'm like riding my bike to uh, Pikes Peak, which is like a hundred. It's like a hundred miles away. I'm just like, oh, my gosh. Like I got five minutes of sleep last night. Right. I'm like, I really do not want to ride a hundred miles to Pikes Peak. It's not really my favorite mountain. It's going to be really it's going to be a lot of traffic. You know, there's a donut stand on top. It's not like a wilderness experience. But I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, look, there must be a reason I've been obsessing about doing this trip for years. Right. There's, I love riding bikes. I love hiking mountains. I'm like, here we are. You just carved out two months of your life to ride bikes and climb mountains. Like just do this peak, do the peak, see how you're going to feel. Right. The Adventure Sports Podcast is also brought to you by Powder 7 Ski Shop. Powder 7 is Colorado's premier homegrown and family-owned ski shop. Online at powder7.com, they offer a huge selection of new and used ski gear, plus full tech and boot fitting services at their shop in Golden. With personalized customer service, they set up skiers from all over the world with perfect gear. From brands like Kessley, Rosignol, Black Crows, and Head, Powder 7 is all skiing all the time. So check out powder7.com to learn more. Now, back to the episode. Um, yeah, and I mean, it took a long time. Because the other thing that happened on my trip was the weather was terrible. Right? I hit the monsoon, like, perfectly. So, like, even though I was kind of coming around emotionally, you know, like, feeling a little better about myself and what I was doing. The weather just was like shutting you down where you're like, wow, like every mountain, like I can, it's just rain and snow. And you're like, this isn't fun. Like, what am I doing? What am I doing hiking up to summits where I don't get like a payoff view of like the landscape, right? And I had to question myself. I'm like, what exactly am I doing? Like, what, why am I spending so much money having, you know, like, you know, you know, hiking in the soggy, soggy rain? Like, this is so silly. I'm like, is this really what I like to do? <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I just had to tell myself, I had to give myself a pep talk. I'm like, look, like the rain is going to stop. It always does. It's always kind of, it's pretty, it's usually pretty bad this time of year. It's just really bad this time of year, but it's going to get better, you know? So the only thing you can do is just keep trying. And I kind of came to a point where um, I was like in Silverton and I was like, man, I'm like, I kind of, my bike's kind of broken, 
you know, it might make it through the next, you know, it might make it to the end of the trip. I'm not sure. There's not really a bike shop in Silverton to get checked out. I'm like, the weather is terrible. And I'm looking at like a five day trip to bag a whole bunch of peaks where I'm going to go to a trailhead, leave the bike and just like basically backpack for five days and, and, and summit peaks. Um, the problem was the weather was so bad that I didn't know if these peaks were going to be in condition to climb. Because not only is this the longest trip off the bike to uh, summit peaks, that's, these are also the most technical pe- peaks. They're the farthest from the trailheads. So I'm like, oh, gosh, like if it's raining, I'm like, I'm not doing a, a technical climb alone in the middle of like the wilderness. It's just not going to happen. You know, like it's that's too far from my comfort zone. I'm not going to risk it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I realized I'm like, if this little part of the trip, these five days of a 60 day trip, if those don't work out, like the, the project is done. I'm not going back to town and getting food and going back for five days. I'm just, I don't have that timeline. So what happened? Well, I, I, you know, when I, I went into the wilderness, you know, all adventurous like, and, you know, and, uh, yeah, the weather was terrible. <laughs> I had, I had developed a route though, and I'm glad I did it this way. I developed a route where it was one big out and back and kind of a big straight line south to north, right? Or north to south, I should say, where I had the option to go take a little fork in the road, go to a mountain, come back to my main route and keep going south. So I came to a mountain, you know, after an hour after a hailstorm and I look up, you know, it's like a five, four, uh, it's a five, four route and it's just glistening with water. I'm like, that is out of condition. I am going to skip that mountain. And I just kept going. And I did that for another mountain and called Jagged Peak. And I'm like, I look at it. I'm like, well, it's five o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm like, I've never done this. I've never done this route. I can't see the route from my vantage point. I'm like, I'm going to skip this too and just keep on going. So I basically just kind of skipped mountains I didn't think were in condition and went all the way to the Chicago Basin. Um, where there's like five mountains. And I was like, okay, okay, I have to do these five mountains. And um, once I did those five mountains, those worked out, I just went north and did all the mountains that I then skipped. And thankfully, I was able to get weather windows and uh, didn't, I mean, I was able to summon them. So it's pretty crazy. Some of the most, I mean, Jagged Mountain's considered one of the most difficult to climb. Yeah, yeah. So there's Jagged Mountain, which became one of my favorite mountains of that trip. Uh, it's just so beautiful. I saw it. Um, I camped right below it, so I saw the sun go down and just the the granite of the mountain is is kind of that pinkish reddish hue. So the whole mountain looked like it was on fire. It was just so beautiful. Um, so yeah, I just woke up really early in the morning and uh, did the route. Um, it's kind of funny where the climbing is these little kind of mini boulder problems, right? There's like four or five little cruxy points. And um, what I did was I'm like, well, I know how to boulder. I'm like, I'll just work it like a boulder problem. So I would go up, do a move, and then come back down and reverse it. And then go up, do one more move, you know, go down and reverse it. And do that until I was done with the crux. So by the time I had, you know, spent a couple minutes working on the separate cruxy parts, I had them wired. And that helped because I had to go down the same way. And the descent is what's most difficult, I think, because you're climbing down and that's very awkward. But I had it, I had it so wired, it just felt normal. I knew where all the secret handholds were to get down and stuff. So I had a lot of fun in that mountain. Um, the same day, I had to do um, 
uh, Vestal Peak. And uh, Vestal Peak has this great uh, route called Wham Ridge, which uh, other, after Jagged, it's probably the most technical part. And it's just this like cool, like almost it looks almost like a skate ramp, you know, um, of just the smooth face, and you go right up it. And I couldn't get, I couldn't wait to get on that thing. Like I, I had gotten so much confidence from doing Jagged Peak after having such horrible weather for the past few days that I just like, I ran up um, Wham Ridge. And, uh, that was tons of fun, tons of fun. Dang. So, yeah, I got my confidence back, and all of a sudden the climbing got easier. It's kind of funny how that works. So. Yeah. That's just, I mean, you know, you're talking about it like it's it's nothing, but I've yeah. been out there experiencing <laughs> it, and it's it's just so there's so many components to uh, yeah. a trip where you're self guided for so many peaks and so much wilderness and so much backpacking. You have to have a backpacking outfit, um, kind of ready to go off the bike, and I remember that being a challenging portion because there was a good you know three four day loop that you had to do through those mountains that i mean it's just so much logistically to figure out that you've got to enjoy that aspect of it too yeah it's definitely um one of the cruxes that people don't realize it's it is it it is multidisciplinary right so you have to you have to know how to ride a bike um for long distances and like kind of pace yourself yeah you know you have to know how to live off of a bike so you know how you, you need like bike packing skills right and then you need to know how to hike or run up and down mountains. You know, you, you have to know how to backpack. Um, you know, how, you, you have to know how to navigate everything from like, you know, a scree field to an interstate highway, basically. So it, it's, it's a lot of skills to kind of develop. And it's kind of what these kinds of trips are kind of like culmination of all the, you know, my outdoor career of doing stuff. So. You know, I have to say I did a lot of things before I was able to get to that level for sure. All right. That was part one with Justin Simone, the long ranger. Part two is going to be coming out on Friday. And another thing about the two part uh, interview is that, you know, Justin is not only doing incredible things outside and that side of what he's doing is absolutely worth him being on the show. Another thing he does is he, you know, the, the way he builds his life around it, uh, he, he lives very simply does a lot of side hustles and focuses on how do I make sure that I have time and the energy and the money to go out and do the things that, you know, he finds the most rewarding. So be looking forward to that life outside the box episode with Justin on Friday. In the meantime, have a merry, merry Christmas. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you know somebody that would make a good guest on the show, or if you have a pretty cool story about the outdoors or adventure sports that you want to tell us, please call us and leave a voicemail at 812-MAIL-POD. That is 812-624-5763. You can also send us an email at info at adventuresportspodcast.com. Again, it is always helpful to leave us a review on iTunes. And if you'd like to be a supporter of the show, you can give five bucks a month at patreon.com slash adventure sports podcast and links for all that stuff is also in the show notes. So thanks again for listening and y'all get out there and do something so you can be on the show one day. All right, later. Don't forget if you want to save 20% off the best backpacking food you're ever going to eat, go to peakrefuel.com 
and use ASP20 at checkout.